This week on the podcast, talking about the Roundup app, a fun way to increase reoccurring donations by allowing people to donate automatically the change from their credit card purchases to your organization. This is Using the Whole Whale, a podcast that brings you stories of data and technology in the nonprofit world. My name is George Weiner, your host and the chief whaler of wholewhale.com. Thanks for joining us. Today's guest is Grant Hensel, the CEO of Roundup App and the CEO of Nonprofit Megaphone. I don't know if he's the CEO of anything else, but I'm going to get to the bottom of it on this interview. Grant, how's it going? I'm doing great. How are you, George? Uh, just to check in, though, do I have all of the companies that you are currently running under underhand here? You do, to my knowledge, although if you find a third one, please let me know. Uh, right now, I think it's interesting uh, because uh, Roundup App has sort of been brought to me in different spheres, and it's uh, incredibly interesting to me because of the way you've sort of designed it, like a, a game and an app, and usually I'm against apps, but... I mean, you have traction, and I want you to explain what Roundup App uh, is and does. The Roundup App is a new way that we've developed to make it, in theory, easier for people to give to the nonprofits they care about. It's built on the premise that donating your change doesn't sound like a big ask if you ask if someone would be willing to do it. And the way that the Roundup app works is it's an app. It's also a website if someone doesn't have a smartphone. And what it allows you to do is sign up, choose a nonprofit you'd like to support, and then link a credit card or a debit card to the app. And then every time you make a purchase thereafter with that card, the app will keep track of the amount. So if you buy a $1.75 cup of coffee at Dunkin' Donuts, the app will see that. It will say, oh, I see 25 cents of quote-unquote change is left over from that purchase. And it will add that change to your running tally for the month. And then at the end of the month, whatever that total amount is, it typically ends up being about $15 or $20, gets donated to the nonprofit that you chose, and then it wipes the slate clean and does it all again. And people can set you know, a maximum if they don't want to give above a certain amount. They can turn it on or off whenever they want. But that's basically the notion of a one-time decision to donate your change thereafter until you want to stop. And give me an idea of, as far as you can, number of users and nonprofits and dollars uh, that you can share about success. Absolutely. We have hundreds of nonprofits on the platform. We're getting close to thousands. We'll hopefully hit that in the next few months. We have thousands and thousands of donors, and we have had hundreds of thousands of dollars donated to charities all over the country and actually slowly all over the world. So one concern just using this app, I'd imagine, is like, wait a minute, how much change am I giving? Am I accidentally like rounding up, you know, thousands of dollars beyond my actual budget? Like, is this like that, like whatever Superman 2 was it where they took like a fraction of a penny and it ended up being millions of dollars? Exactly. No, it's interesting. That's the most common question we get. Because of that, we've built into the app the ability to set a maximum. Many people, maybe maybe almost half set a maximum. The rest don't. Um, typically, the average person is donating 15 or $20 a month through the app. But for some people, it's nice to just have that peace of mind. Everything that we build into the app is designed to make it less thought intensive. So we want it to be a one-time decision. We want people to be able to set a maximum and then 
never have to worry about it again. Hi, this is Mark Arivna from the Nonprofit Times. You might remember me from such stories as the NPT 100 or the best nonprofits to work for. If you haven't heard, the Nonprofit Times has its own podcast. It's called Fresh Research. Each month, we talk to the authors of great fresh research about the nonprofit sector. Check it out on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. You can also find it at thenonprofittimes.com backslash fresh hyphen research, or join the conversation on Twitter with the hashtag fresh research. Why is it working? Like why? It just seems like, oh, just set up a reoccurring donation, right? Like click the box and, and just give the $27. What do you, in your own sort of analysis, uh, think is driving the participation? It's fascinating. We were inspired to do this because of what we saw with Acorns, which is an app that lets you round up and invest the change into a 401k or IRA account. They have 4 million people doing that. And I think at the beginning of this year, it was 3 million. So it's growing really quickly. And it's interesting because Acorns actually charges you as the investor a small fee to use the app. And you are basically paying to invest your own money in your own investment account, which is interesting because that is weird. The, the ability to transfer money to your investment account has, exist, has existed for a very long time, but yet people literally pay to do it in this way. Our app, obviously, the donor doesn't pay anything to use it, but it's interesting. It's the same psychological principle that people may not know exactly how much money they will have at the, at the end of a month. But what they can say with a good degree of confidence is that I'm probably going to be fine if I donate my change. And there's this latent desire in, I think, humanity in general to be doing good and making a difference every day just as a result of our normal everyday actions. And this gives people a way to do it. We ask folks after they sign up, what prompted you to sign up? And people say it was so easy. It was so painless. It lets me make a difference without even having to think about it. It's this sense of emotional resonance that you don't get, strangely, with a monthly donation. It's somehow a very different experience, and it just gives nonprofits a way to appeal to a different psychographic than perhaps the people that want to do a flat amount every month. So you mentioned like the acorn. It's like, oh, that's that's wild. Like, why wouldn't somebody actually pay to put their own money into their own account when they could just do it? What? How do your fees work then, um, structured in this? Our big goal with the fee structure was making sure that no nonprofit could ever lose money. We talked to so many organizations. This is how we approach things with Nonprofit Megaphone, too, with the free trial. But we've talked to so many organizations that have tried things, tried text to give, tried different approaches, and they've ended up actually losing money in addition to the time they invested. So the way our fee structure works is we don't have any setup fee or monthly fee or annual fee or anything. It's just a sliding scale based on the volume of donations. So it's between 10% and 1%. It goes down as the person's, as the organization's donation volume rises and basically makes sure that even if one person gives $1 over the lifetime of your use of the Roundup app, you're still making money. It's impossible to lose money as an organization, which we went back and forth a lot on that. And that was, that was the pricing model that the organizations we were working with preferred. They said, we just don't want to we just don't want to lose money. We want to sort of both be in this together. Yeah, I love that, that. That sort of, you know, that confidence to say, like, well, tell you what you won't do. You won't lose money, which is rules, I believe, one and two of Warren Buffett's investing strategies. Indeed they are. I've been reading his annual letters, and uh, I think rule number three is don't forget rules number one and two. 
How does he come up with it? Anyway, uh, let's yeah, let's talk really quickly. What is nonprofit megaphone? Nonprofit megaphone was actually the first business that we started in this realm. And it helps nonprofit organizations utilize the Google Ad Grant, which is a program that Google has had for a little over 10 years now, where nonprofits can get $10,000 a month of credit to spend on the ads that show up in Google search. So when someone is searching for a topic related to the work that you do, you can have ads appearing there. And when someone clicks the ad, instead of you paying for that click, Google pays itself for that click and so it's free for the nonprofit and we help organizations get the grant if they don't have it we help them get themselves unsuspended if they have it and they've been suspended or we help them manage it more effectively once they have the grant and um, and that's that's what we do it's our it's our hundred percent focus we have about 178 clients in that space that we work with each month just totally taking off their plate and managing it all for them yeah, I will say that uh, Nonprofit Megaphone is in our network of, of trusted vendors when it comes to this. So uh, we, we love seeing the work you do out there. I'm wondering, though, it feels like it's a it's a slam dunk. I, I just have to put my Roundup app account like on a page and just start advertising it on Google AdWords and just like watch the money you know pile up, right? Absolutely. That's what we thought, too. We said, this is so perfect. We have a marketing arm that'll bring people there, and then we have a fundraising arm that'll immediately turn them into donors. And we have found, to our chagrin, despite much trying, that is not how it works. Because of, And we should, have, we should have seen this coming. I think I got more excited in my own head about it. But the way that Google Ads works is that you can only advertise on keywords that people are searching for. If if you advertise on a keyword that no one's searching for, your ad exists, but it will never be seen by anyone. If a tree falls in the forest, no one will see it. And the keywords that would lead directly to that, donate my change to Charity X, unfortunately, no one searches for those things. And so it's not an immediate slam dunk. It's a... Uh, an intermediate slam dunk, I'll say. You have to get people to your website, engage them with your content, get them watching your videos, get them reading, get them signing up ideally to some way where you're giving them their email address and, and now you can communicate with that individual on an ongoing basis. And then you're nurturing them, you're getting them invested in what you do, and then you're giving them the opportunity to give, whether it's a traditional donation, whether it's donating their change, anything else. It's sort of a multi-step process, unfortunately. Yeah, uh, and I think it's interesting that that point about guess what? Someone's not like googling the internet for how do I? I have twenty bucks in my pocket that I really need to donate right now, and nonprofits just show up for the ad. Uh, an ad like that, it's it's part of a a larger digital fundraising strategy uh, that works together to 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 nurture and build uh, that relationship rather than hey, give money now, please, okay. Absolutely. I will say that we did have one client in the past couple months where we were running ads on their legacy giving and bequest giving um, programs and the ability for people to include them in their will. Someone literally passed away in their region. They had it in their will that money from their estate should benefit local organizations that work with animals. The attorney responsible for administering the will Googled that essentially local animal organizations bequest giving our organization shows up it clicks on the ad and that ended up being a two hundred thousand dollar donation which is incredible so those things do happen but you can't count on them it's probably every once every few years would something like that actually take place 
Yeah, and and then your your average donation size is through the roof, and there you go, just run every ad, right? Right, exactly. Now all your now all your metrics are screwed up, and exactly. Uh, that is, you know, a, an awesome anecdote. I want to I want to move to a bit of a pro con game uh, if you'll entertain it. Absolutely. Alrighty, and I think the topic should be the battle over the donation page having that reoccurring ask versus a one-time gift ask type of layout. Which side would you like to go after? I will go in favor of reoccurring ask. Uh, All right, would you like to go first or second? I will go second. Alrighty. Uh, I feel as though I end up on a page and it immediately says, hey, create a reoccurring gift, and I don't know you because most people end up on that page because their friends sent them over. They're a loose touch, one-off. And I just wanted to do a a one-time gift, and I feel like I'm being tripped because that little checkbox is just hiding down there, and all of a sudden, bad user experience. I love it. I would say that it is what you said, all about the user experience. I think that you've, in many ways, anticipated my first point, which is going to be you don't have to make it so that someone can only give on a recurring basis on the donation page, but saying, here are a couple amounts that we recommend you could give or you could fill in your own, and then have a very prominent box that is checked saying, make this a monthly gift. Your support on a monthly basis allows us to do X, Y, and Z and make it really clear what the benefit of that is above and beyond a one-time donation. I think that user experience of asking for the way that the person can help the most and then allowing them, if they're not in a financial position to do that, to deselect the monthly giving option, I think that optimizes for maximum revenue and also makes it very clear to the donor that you do, as an organization, have real costs to run, that these costs are ongoing, and that's predictable, sustainable support really does make a huge difference. So the predictable and sustainable, I have to come back and say, well, what is the average lifespan of a reoccurring donor? I mean, how long are they staying on the Roundup app after they sign up to, to start giving? Because when I look at this monthly number, like give $10, I'm like, whoa, every month $10? And if my average lifespan is only a year, right, at $120, I would have been better off saying our average gift is 250 Give it once and you're good to go. What do you say to that? I have a good friend named Lori Jacobwith who has these numbers off the top of her head, and I I can't remember them exactly, but it's something along the lines of one-time giving, one-time givers churn at something like 60% a year. So you only, if you get a one-time gift from someone one year, you're only 30 or 40% likely to get it the next year. Whereas monthly givers, their retention is over 90% year over year. There's more of a, even if it's a lower dollar value, there's more of a predictable and a, an ongoing commitment there. I would say that for most people, we see this with cars where the industry goes to great lengths to allow you to, instead of paying you know, $20,000 for a car up front, you can pay it over time. I think it allows people to make more of a commitment over a longer period without having that cash flow crunch right up front. I think the person that is willing to give $250 a month or $250 one time, which is fairly significant, I suspect that person would also be willing to give $50 a month just for what we've seen those sort of ratios kind of translate. Well, it's interesting because you just mentioned the total 
value in dollar amount actually having uh, sometimes more for the one-time givers versus you trade physical dollars for the predictability of future revenue. Uh, and that scares me, I guess, when uh, somebody was telling me about this crazy story, somebody donating $100,000 through a legacy. There are absolute whales that we can design for, and I would rather go after like a, you know, a $1,000 button give now rather than like, hey, uh, give me $100 uh, you know, a month or $50 a month and, and have to make sure I get that size right versus a huge score potentially. I agree. Philosophically, I think I look at things that organizations like Charity Water do. For them, the primary ask that they're making on their donation page is, is leaning towards the recurring giving. They have a thing called the spring. They have this whole community that's built around that. But they also have on the page, it costs us about $10,000 to completely fund a water project. If you'd be interested in completely funding one or more water projects, click here and have a one-on-one -on -one conversation with a member of our team, I think that's appropriate because you don't want to design your entire donation page around the needs or wants of maybe a one in a hundred or one in a thousand major donor, but you also don't want to ignore them. So I think you'd have that on the page, but it wouldn't be the primary task that you're making. Well, Grant, thank you for playing the pro versus con, reoccurring versus one-time asks. Uh, we'll let the audience decide. When we get into the, some of your own data for reoccurring, I don't know if you can share any numbers around the you know average retention that you're seeing so far. It's high. It's above 90%. We only have a year and a month of data so far. We launched in April of 2018, but from what we've seen so far, it's it's very it's very sticky. People don't people don't. Uh, turn it off. They don't quit. They just sort of let it run. That's the that's the decision they're making at the outset is, I want to donate my change and I want to do that for the foreseeable future. And people, by and large, stick to that decision. All right, Grant. Is there anything else that you want to share about the, the sort of strategy of reoccurring giving and, and what you've learned on the Roundup app before we move to our rapid fire? The last thing I would say is just the difference between reoccurring giving and one-time giving is not just financial. The financial benefit is certainly there over the long term. It also has significant benefits in terms of the stress level for the staff of an organization. If you are not dependent on a few annual events to bring in a large percentage of your revenue, or if you're not as dependent on a few major donors, if you have a base of people that give to you, even if it's 20 or 30 percent of your budget or 40 or hopefully more every month, month in and month out, it makes it so much easier to plan for the future. It makes it so much easier to sleep at night, frankly, because you have this predictable base and you have this predictable engine that you can tune and grow as time goes on. Yeah, it's almost like a SaaS company where you're, you know, selling something that is uh, modelable. Exactly. Exactly. And that's what the business world has gone through. Everyone has realized, wait a minute, recurring revenue is worth four or five times the amount of one-time but unpredictable revenue. And I think the nonprofit space is moving that way, too. All right, Grant. Rapid fire. Please keep your responses to around 30 seconds. Uh, starting off, what is one tech tool or website that you or your organization has started using in the last year? Pause Inbox is a tool that is available as part of the Boomerang suite, which is an add-on for Gmail. It lets you set up your inbox so that mail is delivered in bulk instead of one at a time as the email comes in. So I have my inbox set up to literally deliver all email at 11 a.m. 
and at 5 p.m. And then at 11 a.m. and at 5 p.m., I batch process. I do all the email in one shot, and then it frees me up to totally focus on other projects the rest of the day. What tech issues are you currently battling with? We experience both the joys and the sorrows of being on the cutting edge with some of our technologies. The Roundup app is deploying an in-person solution actually today as we, as we film this tonight where people will be able to walk up, swipe a card on an iPad that we've provided and be signed up for the Roundup app. They're doing it at an event with one of our partners in New York. And getting that to, to the live to the point where it works was a bit of a harrowing experience because it relied on different um, tools from Stripe, our payment processor, coming out of beta. And it all worked, but it was a little bit stressful. What is coming in the next year that has you the most excited? I would say the Roundup in-person solution. We are really excited to see what happens tonight and onward. And um, the ability to literally just swipe your card and be signed up as an ongoing donor has gotten a lot of excitement from our clients. Um, we're excited to test it out with more. And I think it could potentially be the next wave of the evolution of that platform. Talk about a mistake that you made early in your career that shapes the way you do things today. A number of years ago, I tried to launch a business which was supposed to be an online marketplace for courses that teach you how to do things. We launched at the same time as a website you may have heard of called Udemy, which does the exact same thing. They ended up annihilating us, and it taught a very valuable lesson of the difficulty of the chicken and egg problem or the difficulty of building things with network effects, and I have not attempted to do a business that has network effects of that chicken and egg problem since, maybe someday. Do you believe that nonprofits can successfully go out of business? Absolutely, and I think it's actually a compelling mission to align people around. We have, I met an organization that is transforming orphanages into family reunification centers in a number of countries in Africa. Uh, basically what they identified was that orphans or children were put in orphanages not because they didn't have parents, but because their parents genuinely thought the child would have a better chance there because they'd get an education. turns out the research now shows that actually growing up away from your family and that separation produces negative effects that far outweigh the benefits of education. And so they are reuniting these kids with their families who are alive and well. And instead of having one kid in the same bed all year, they have four or five kids that come in, they get them reunified, and then another child comes in. And you could see the orphan crisis essentially going away in a, in a potential couple decades. If I could throw you in a hot tub time machine to go back to the beginning of your work at, let's say, nonprofit Megaphone, what advice would you give that younger, more awesome grant? I would say keep it up, and I would say stay more awesome because it's all downhill from here. No, um, I would say I would give them a copy of the book, The Obstacle is the Way by Ryan Holiday, which talks about how the thing that impedes the way actually over the long term becomes the way. The first nine months of Nonprofit Megaphone were very painful. We got zero clients signed up, and that period ended up teaching us a lot, but only because we didn't quit halfway through. So the obstacle is truly the way. What is something that you think your organization should stop doing? I think, well, I'll answer for myself. I think I should stop assuming that I have a good idea of what I'm doing. I think I just read a book, Sapiens, which was fascinating, and it talks about how 
in the Middle Ages, Europeans started creating maps that had blank spots on them instead of filling it all in with with dragons and so forth. They just put blank spots. And that inspired them to move west or to move south and explore and discover. And I think that I oftentimes assume that I know what I'm doing and I forget to draw the blank spots on my own mental map and that it impedes my ability to innovate. If you had a Harry Potter style wand to wave across the industry, what would it do? It would create a magical measuring system where every action could be measured in terms of its social good, and it would be roll-upable so that you could see the actions of an organization or down to a department, down to a program, down to an individual staff member, all the way up to a nation. And it would finally give us a clear numeric way to allocate resources towards the organizations and the programs that are doing the most good. How did you get started in the social impact sector? When I was in high school, I started a thrift store in Hyde Park called Encore in Chicago, where I grew up, and it accepted donations of clothing from the community, resold them, created jobs for people, provided um, much more affordable clothing than was available at the time. And it was just the most fun experience because it combines business and then also this sort of nonprofit. It was owned by a nonprofit, this nonprofit work and making a difference. And from that point on, I wanted to, whatever I did, have both of those spheres be united in whatever my path ended up being. What advice would you give current college graduates looking to enter the social impact sector? I can only speak from my own experience. I would say that having a background in the business world and in analytics in particular for me was helpful. I used to be a consultant doing data and analytics work for really large companies, and that quantitative background has been very helpful in everything that we've done. So I don't know if that's the path for everyone, but it has been very helpful for me. All right. Final, final hardball. How do people find you? How do people help you? Woo. So our websites are nonprofitmegaphone.com and roundupapp.com. And I have an email address at both of those. It's just grant at nonprofitmegaphone.com or grant at roundupapp.com. You can use either of them. They both go to the same place. But would love to connect and be of help in any way that we can. Well, Grant, thank you so much for your time. I deeply appreciate it. And best of luck. Thank you so much. As always, gregthomas.org. You're awesome. Keep making music that we can use. And Tim Seberger, thank you for editing. And if you haven't already, we would really appreciate an iTunes rating. These ratings help us so much in the rankings and finding more people to listen to these episodes. This has been Using the Whole Whale. For more resources on today's show, please visit wholewhale.com podcast. And consider following us on Twitter at Whole Whale. And thanks for joining us.